It's Friday night, which means it's time for another episode of the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Casey. And I'm Ashley. Last time we talked about the interesting series of Kablam! Indeed. We also put out our weekly Twitter poll asking which Nickelodeon variety show was your favorite. Kablam! The Amanda Show or All That? The Amanda Show won with 58% of the vote, a dominant performance from this incredible show. All That came in second with 30%, and Kablam! came in third with 12%. So maybe we do need to loosen the whole Nicktoons thing and get into one of these. Yeah, well, we'd, we'd have to think about it. It's definitely, either way, I would definitely love to revisit Amanda Show for the heck of it in my life, but... Man, they, they are some solid times. I, I'm not too surprised by these results either. I do think Kablam! is overall the least known of the three mm-hmm. and the least nostalgic, I think, overall, too. It it doesn't have those those characters that we got to kind of watch grow up and everything, like, in all that in Amanda show, so. Yeah. Yeah, watch grow up like the dancing lobsters. I remember when they were just <laughs> wee baby lobsters. and yeah. I'm done with you. Of course, the... They're all uh, broken, addicted now, like all child stars. It's a rough life that they live. <laughs> I wonder, I want an AMA with the people who were the da- in the Dancing Lobster suits, and were they the same people every time? I mean, I'd imagine that they did other things, too, right? They'd be some kind of other extras, <laughs> and then also... That'd be hysterical if they hired them only. Imagine if it had been in the internet age, like the the backstage.com ad that would be like seeking <laughs> seeking two <laughs> physical comedy actors <laughs> that that's my dream job i now want to go back in time and be a dancing lobster that's that's all i want <laughs> all right guys on a, on a more serious note this week we are talking about avatar the last airbender episode three this one's a, a bit of a tearjerker here so if you guys are following us on our watch we're on the third episode now Plenty of time to catch up if you still want to join us in this. Be along for the ride, but we're we're continuing on. You're right. Very much a tonal shift from our dancing lobster banter. Uh, so yeah, we got to get in that mindset. But until then, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, review us on Apple Podcasts so others can find the show, and make sure to check out our YouTube page. And we will be doing our comment reading uh, in a couple more episodes. So we'll be reading the comments of our Avatar watch through. So we hope you guys are still watching along with us. I'm already finding it so rewarding to just go back through this beautiful narrative in order. And it'll be a long journey, and we'll all be much older and wiser by the end of it. Definitely true. And with that, thanks so much for tuning in. Now let's get started. Alright guys, our episode, episode 3 of our Avatar Watch, is The Southern Air Temple. It's from book 1, episode 3, and this one originally aired on February 25th, 2005. And in this one, Aang suggests a visit to the Southern Air Temple. He tells Katara and Sokka about his old mentor, Monk Gyatsu, and airbending culture. Upon arrival, Sokka and Katara realize that the Fire Nation has slaughtered all of the inhabitants but Katara keeps Aang in the dark to spare his feelings. When Aang discovers the truth, he becomes upset and summons a powerful force. 
Luckily, Katara calms him down, and he is forced to accept that he is the last airbender. Meanwhile, Zuko stops at a Fire Nation-controlled dock to have his ship repaired. There, he and his uncle run into Commander Zhao, who learns from Zuko's crew that the Avatar has been found. Zuko challenges out to a duel, known as an Agni Kai, over the right to track the Avatar. Zuko wins and spares Zhao's life, and Zhao, in turn, tries to kill Zuko, but Iroh stops the attack. And that's pretty much everything that we see here. So there's, there's a lot of emotional arcs going on. There's a lot of hard truths to be swallowed and a lot of character development, really, in a pretty short time span here. You nailed that reading, Ashley. Guys, we spent like 10 minutes fixing this synopsis. <laughs> it's just uh, for whatever reason, people that write synopses are not are not always the greatest. Or we, d- got don't... Out our, <laughs> we got out our metaphorical red pens and uh, made it something readable. So uh, you're welcome. But yeah, this is a, uh, a very intense episode emotionally. And you know it's coming, right? We have the first two episodes where it's established that he is... And the show is called Avatar The Last Airbender. They're not hiding the fact that they all are gone. And maybe you could hope naively that there are some still alive. But uh, ultimately we know that Aang's going to have to figure out that he's completely completely alone in the world and he reacts very differently from uh fry in futurama as we've discussed before who just says "Ah, i didn't like most of those guys anyway (laughs) yeah it's actually it's pretty it's rough right because we we see that i and and i don't know necessarily if katara knows for a fact that they are all gone but she certainly has her suspicions from the beginning, right? Aang is excitedly talking about how there's the air temple, and he, he says things like, oh, well, the Fire Nation couldn't have gotten here because they don't have a flying bison, and you need a flying bison to get to the air temple. Um, and he's just, he's just in this really naive state of hopefulness. And, and you can tell Katara's doing her best to kind of not totally crush him, but sort of caution him and just say, well, you know, it's been a hundred years and a lot of things might have changed, Aang, and it's it's hard because, again, given given the show title and given everything else, we, we are pretty much left to assume that he is the last airbender and that what's coming is is not going to be a, um, a pleasant surprise for him here. And even she isn't totally sure, but there's you can feel her instinct to protect him. And it's heartbreaking, and he's got this naive response to it. He's saying, just because no one's seen an airbender doesn't mean the firebenders killed them all. And it's it's hard. It's hard to watch. Yeah, and, and I think especially given that, you know, Katara lost her mother to the Fire Nation, she's, she's just very aware of how cruel they've been, and she's aware that nobody has seen an airbender in a very long time. So again, it's not that she's necessarily 1,000% certain, but she... She has fair reason to be skeptical and to be a little bit more of a a voice of reason here. Right. And we are quickly introduced to one of the main antagonists uh, of the series and really Zuko's antagonist uh, of late, uh, Commander Zhao. Zhao, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, I I might have messed that one up. I can't picture it now. But uh, yeah, I think it is a, a Zhao. And... 
he is very perceptive. He's with Zuko in the Fire Nation, and he can tell Zuko's keeping something from him. He's like, he says, if you have an ounce of loyalty left, you'll tell me what you've found. And so he knows that Zuko found and lost the Avatar just by reading his tone and body language. Yeah, and we, we have an interesting dynamic going between the two of them in general, right? We... Again, we don't necessarily entirely know everything yet, but um, Zhao does mention something along the lines of um, how he has the scar to prove that his father is ashamed of him. So we now know that the, the fire mark on his eye is definitely something that, some sort of a scar that somehow has to do with something bad that he's done. We can tell that Zhao knows the whole story and that he's kind of holding it over Zuko here too, right? So we... We have this interesting dynamic of he knows things that both of them know that we, the audience, do not yet. And so it's, you, you just definitely sense a power struggle all over the place. Yes, and the shame from Zuko, you know, that it's a, he's deeply wounded emotionally from that physical wound. And yeah, just uh, the, I just wanted to introduce that scene because we get it right away at the beginning pretty quickly. And yeah, Aang detours Katara and Sokka on their way to the North Pole to the Southern Air Temple. And it, it really is a beautiful building and it's pretty well maintained or well preserved, I should say. And the Aang starts getting pretty nostalgic and upset upon, you know, okay, no one's here. He gets that. But so far, there's no evidence of any death or struggle. And Sokka and Katara find something. Do you remember what? Um, I think it's a mask, just a Fire Nation, like, a uh, helmet, rather. Yes, that's what it is. They find a Fire Nation helmet, and they're like, do we tell him? And they're like, no, not yet. And Katara decides that. So then Sokka, it's adorable. He he ends up asking Aang to show him how to play airball, this uh, Quidditch-like airbending game. And Sokka would have never asked otherwise, but I thought it is sweet how he is trying to distract and, like, keep Aang happy when it's clearly going to take a turn, the day will. Yeah, and, and you can tell, I feel like it's almost like, again, Katara and her sort of maternal instincts here, she wants to protect Aang. She really does, right? She doesn't, she doesn't want him to have to come to terms with the state of the world that He's still this young kid, and he just got back to the world, and she doesn't want to have to be the one to crush him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I think a little bit of it, too, is maybe just she doesn't really want to have to see that emotional breakdown come about. But I do feel like a lot of it is is on Aang's side here. She just, she doesn't want to hurt him, you know? Yeah, I'm surprised they even, like, let him, even though it's his flying bison, I'm surprised they allowed this journey to happen. I guess it's like, okay, he's giving us a free lift across the entire world, we might as well indulge him, but I would have been like, Aang, let's not do this. Yeah, I think it's almost, too, it's like, he's been away from home for a hundred years, it's, it would almost be insensitive, even if he knew the situation, right? Like, he, he probably still to some extent wants to see his home right um, and he's got he's got to learn too how he can't properly be the avatar without knowing the history and what happened yeah and you know it's it's just it's such a hard moment 
in general. And, and from the beginning, right, he's going through all these stories. He's talking about Monk Gyatso and everything that he's taught him. Um, and then they yeah, kind those of, flashback scenes are really touching. Yeah, and, and we kind of get this insight again into the idea. Um, Monk Gyatso says something along the lines of, like, they shouldn't have told you so young. They like, should have let you be a child longer. Um, so we, we still get this idea of Aang doesn't really feel like he's ready to be the, the Avatar even back then. He says something like, what if what if the other monks got it wrong? What if what if it's not me, you know? Um, but he, he finishes that flashback up with Gyatso telling him that when he's ready, he should go... And I forget what the exact name of the room is, but it's go into this room of the of the air temple and that there's somebody yeah, like there for chamber. him to meet. Yeah. Yeah, and there's it's cool, I think you mentioned this, that there are these air locks where the you have to airbend into these horns and then it undoes the lock and it only airbenders can get in. Yeah, it's actually a really awesome mechanism. It's it's another one of those those creative uses of bending and well like I said, we'll see so many of them, but but this is one that I like a lot. They he has to spiral it all through and it, it has that nice horn that sort of goes off and that's the only way to get into the room. So at the very least that and thankfully that is preserved, right? He gets into this room and it's it's completely unharmed. And as we go in, Sokka is starving, of course, and has been complaining and he goes, Statues? That's it? Where's the meat? <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb, but you have to laugh. Yeah, it's uh, it's so Sokka, and and especially, especially, especially at the beginning of the show, I feel like Sokka just is very much the comic relief, and and this shows that, right? Um, we also get a, a little bit of solid exposition here, and I feel like it's it's done really well. Um, they see all of the statues, and Aang is like, oh, it's all of all of the past avatars. Um, that's, you know, it's been passed through cycle to cycle. And Katara says, I don't know, she, she does, says something in agreement. And Sokka goes, do you really believe in that, Katara? And she's like, it's true. The Avatar is passed down to the next bender in the cycle. And talks about how, and I forget exactly what the order is between the four. Um, but I, I think it's a good way of us getting that mechanic explained without it being too preachy at us you know what I mean like it feels like a valid conversation that would happen like Sokka yeah. would call her out on that and she would back it up with info but it gives us that interesting insight into how the avatar works right we we know now that it's it's something that keeps going nation to nation to nation um throughout the years which is pretty cool and they, te yeah, they, you're right. They teach the audience really organically throughout this whole series. It never feels like they go, okay, and here's, as much as I love George R. R. Martin and the Song of Ice and Fire books, there are entire chapters in that book where it'll just be someone quizzing someone on history just so the readers learn more about the world. And some people love that. I don't know. I like when it's built in organically, and I think Avatar does that really well i for one we can't get into her too much yet but i would love a prequel series about avatar kiyoshi who's one of the statues the earthbending avatar before roku who is the one before ang i think it would be so cool to see an earthbending um avatar in a time when the world was so different yeah there's there's so much 
that I feel like they could do with so much of this, um, the lore within this and all of the, the lives that they've lived. And, and again, yeah, we, we can't get into it too much other than to say that her name will come up again later. Um, but, but we also do get this sort of idea too, where Aang knows the names of the avatars and there's, they're not listed anywhere. And he's like, I don't know. I just know it. So we do, we get some sort of an idea that there's, there's some sort of a connection, right? Like he's, he's got some sort of an understanding of his past lives. Um, definitely not enough that it's necessarily like such a reincarnation thing that he remembers all of his past lives at this point or anything like that. But he, he does have some sort of a connection that all the avatars are kind of connected. And we kind of feel that in general in this room. And he, he has a sense of something. I don't know how else to, to put that. And the sense of history in that room is amazing. That they're all one, kind of like how the four elements are all one. It's like how every avatar is part of the same thing. It's it's chilling. Yeah, it's and it, it, and it brings that importance of like what the avatar is back again, right? Um, and it it kind of shows too why, um, why. Gyatso doesn't want him to enter this too young, right? It's a lot of weight to recognize that you're continuing on this lineage of hundreds and hundreds of years, right? Or thousands even, right? It's kind of, it's a lot to take in. It sure is. That's kind of a good way to sum up this whole episode for Aang and for all three of them and for Zuko. (laughs) Because what does Zuko do now that he's found and lost the Avatar? Where do you go after that? What do you do? There's a lot of big questions asked from this episode. And there's a scary moment when we hear the door creak while they're in this sanctuary. And they all hide. And <laughs> Katara says, "No, nobody make a sound. And Sokka goes, you're making a sound. And they both go, shh. <laughs> uh, that beat was really funny. And do you want to get into who or what it is? Yeah, it's it's a very big threat here. And we go into the next really big battle scene that we, we get within this. Um, it's a lemur by the name of Momo. <laughs> or I guess to be named Momo, rather. Yeah, to be, lemur to be named later. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's a kind of a funny comedic moment, and Sokka and Momo keep sort of fighting back and forth, they're bickering throughout the episode. Well, I think, I think too, Sokka threatens to eat him, so... Oh, yeah, he wants to eat him, but then uh, Momo leads them to food. Yeah, it ends up being a sweet moment. Momo brings back food and, you know, befriends yeah. the group, and Sokka is very thankful towards the end. And Again, that's <laughs> we've got some sort of comic relief here between all of the really heavy scenes, but... um pretty pretty shortly after i think we hit the the darkest moment of this whole the episode moment. well it's like two moments in one that that sets up a lot of the arc of the series we ang stumbles upon monkeyatso's skeleton it's very obviously his remains and it's kind of traumatizing it's very scary and just to see someone who we've now met in a flashback and then see his like body structure but just as bones, it's really shocking. And Aang immediately collapses, and Katara tries to run to him, and his forehead lights up, and that power happens again. And we see, there's this cool montage 
where throughout the kingdoms all these lights go on these like lanterns and this is one of the most chilling lines in the series for me there's like a fire lord person there's like a fire bender army person who looks at the the fire and he says send word to the fire lord immediately the avatar has returned oh man <laughs> yeah it's oh it's big it's big and you know we've we've seen again this trance before earlier when when ang was getting kind of beat up but this is different this is like an emotional just in a crazy emotional moment for him and understandably right we this is the first moment that he's really coming to terms with not just that everyone that he loved has died, which is plausible given that it's been a hundred years, right? That, you know, even if the airbending nation was still alive, that he might not know the remaining people, but that they've all been killed. And there's, I, there's fire nation warriors surrounding him too. So he knows that it was murder, right? Like it's, it's a lot to take in. Um, and Monkeyatso was old, so that means if he died in this fight, it was shortly after Aang left them, and now he's probably going to feel responsible for it. Like, if he had stayed, he could have saved his people. Yeah, there's there's a whole ton whole ton to to be taken in. And, and again, yeah, we do flashback to the to the Fire Nation again and this is when we get to the to the Agni Kai which we'll, we'll see a number of these throughout the show but they're, they're Fire Nation duels specifically um, mm-hmm. we pick up this much and they're, they're usually done for some reason other than just fighting there's usually like a there's, mm-hmm. th- there's a reason behind it in this case it's who, who gets to go after the Avatar basically um, so who's the Aaron Burr and who's the Alexander Hamilton in this <laughs> <Agni> guy? <laughs> well, I mean, neither of them die here, so. When we write the Avatar musical, we can use uh, the Ten Dual Commandments for the Agni Kai. <laughs> <laughs> I have to switch it up a little bit, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get working on it, guys. <laughs> but I do love the Zhao versus Zuko, that, that there's this etymology in the series, like the Fire Nation has lots of Zs in their names. Well, we haven't met many of them yet, but we will. And it seems like there's a, a trend of K in the water tribes. It's it's really interesting that there's all this lore built into the world already. Yeah, and, and I do want to say again here, uh, same thing as we've said the, uh, the last couple of episodes, that these fight scenes are actually really cool. Um, it's the first time we were seeing really Firebender on Firebender, right? We've seen them fighting against Aang, but it's it's interesting tactically, right? They've got the same kind of weapons up against each other, and it is it's just an intense battle. And we can tell that both of them have been have been training, and, and you can tell too. Zuko's got sort of something to prove here. Um, Again, we don't know all the details of his shame, but he's definitely been increasingly angered by Zhao bringing it back up. And he's got a lot of rage here, but there's a certain amount of control in the fighting, too. I don't know. There's just a lot of emotion and a lot of interesting um, motions happening throughout the battle scenes that make them interesting, or I guess fight scenes, rather, that make them interesting to me. And we get I, what I believe are the the classic like avatar percussion that like bum 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 bum, 
and it, it, there's this sort of fast frantic energy to it but they are pretty still and the and I love that uh, dichotomy because the music is so fast and scary and their movements are so controlled that it's like you're sensing what's going on inside of them even while they're not physicalizing it. Yeah, it's... They, they are so well done. The intensity of everything. And when you get to a moment where we can see that Zuko has the shot, right? He he can take Shao's life and chooses to just... Uh, sort of set fire to the ground next to him. You know, he just kind of, like, punches a fireball, like, next to him. He throws away his shot, you yeah. could say. Right. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, the worst. Um, but, you know, genuinely, he... You can tell that he thinks about it and decides to contain himself and and hit the hit the ground next to him instead, so... Um, and then we do have, again, moments later that Zhao tries to, with Zuko's back turned, tries to go back and attack him, which is just really clearly not not the type of thing that you do. Even in this Fire Nation, which is kind of being brought up to be the, the obvious villain of the show, we recognize that there's some sort of rules going on here, right? That, like... They have Agni Kais. They have these, like, designated battles, right? They have this culture still. Um, we keep hearing honor get brought up repeatedly. And we can tell immediately that Zhao kind of breaking this trend is him showing that those rules aren't as important to him, you know? Yeah, and it's shocking and insulting. And and uh, Iroh ends up catching his foot to stop him, and he says, even... Ex- even in exile, my nephew is more honorable than you. So again, we, we just have this the same thing of honor being brought up. It's it's very much a, a cultural thing here that, that Zhao seems to be lacking. Even even Zuko, again, we can tell he's very much in, in a villain space of the show. Is is still willing to, to sort of, you know, fall into place a little bit. Yeah. And then we go back to Team Avatar. And Katara is talking down Aang, and it's so beautiful. She's saying, I know you lost your family, you lost everything you had, but you still have a family. Sokka and I, we're your family now. And there's something so touching about that. It's really moving, and it works. He calms down, and he the only way he's able to move on is knowing that he has something in the present. Yeah, it's... And, and we do hear him say the words, I really am the last airbender, too, so he's... He's coming to terms with it all. It's really hitting him, but he he almost says it in a way that there's sadness there, but he's he's accepting things a lot more than he is at the beginning, right? He's he's coming to terms with it, and I think having uh, Sokka and Katara with him is a lot of l- what lets him accept that, right? That he he feels a path moving forward. Yeah, and I think part of that realization is a. Uh it's a sense of duty to his people. There's this pressure. It's like, oh, wow, I have to grow up now. I've got to save. I'm the only one left, which means if something happens to me or if I can't do this, the airbenders are gone forever. Which on top of being the Avatar, right, he's he's got pressure coming left and right, honestly, this poor kid. Within, what, a few days of him waking up? 
Yeah, yeah, he doesn't get a break at all, and he's still able to stay calm a lot, and a lot of the show grapples with how he manages to... He reminds me of Arnold in a lot of ways. Like, Arnold is Aang if he grew up in a modern city. (laughs) There's this, it's like, you're so good and wholesome and pure, but every once in a while you have to just become the worst (laughs) for like an episode or two and then everyone gets it it's like oh okay you this is your your outlet of it and how ang doesn't just treat everyone horribly i have no idea he is he is such a a peaceful kind soul We, we see that from the beginning and he's he's just so caring for other people um and it's hard to see him get some of that uh some of that naivete broken down here but um we we fade out again with one of those beautiful air in the air scenes they're on the flying bison on their way uh on their way in their journey and we we get the sort of fade out of the air temple and it's it's so beautiful that and, and all the scenes in general are just gorgeous but there's something about ending the episode with it that just feels right every time and that mysterious music, dum 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 dum. It is, yeah, it is. You've said before, it has this sense of where are we going next? Like, where where can we possibly go now? Uh, but they they continue back on their journey, and we know they're going to the Northern Water t- uh, Tribe eventually, but we don't know what is on the way for them. Also, just every every time we end this, I'm like, you know what? No, we're just gonna binge the whole show, Casey. That's it. We're just gonna. <laughs> we're just who cares about watching it in in line with the rest of the people let's just let's just binge it all like it just it gives you this feeling of just you want to keep going with them you know you want to keep yeah. watching which we we've been we've been good so far we we really are watching along with you guys no worries and i watched this one with the last rewatch i did of this show i did with my family part of it was on vacation and we were on the beach and it would be, you know, a beautiful day out on the beach. We'd finish an episode of Avatar and be like, okay, we should go to the beach now. It's like, oh, one more. <laughs> <laughs> you just, it's so addicting. You can't stop. It's such satisfying uh, storytelling. And unlike like a Breaking Bad where it can be kind of hard to binge shows like that because it's so emotionally exhausting, this one is just the right amount where it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm so drained. I couldn't watch another one of these. Yeah, and we have a really good balance too, right? We do we do have our um our comedic relief and and even so and I, I think this is safe to say regardless that not every episode hits as emotionally hard as this one does. They're not all quite as devastating as this one is. This one might make some lists for me. I'll bet at the end of each book we'll do like a top five or whatever and it's a show we both lived with long enough, I think, where once we watch it through all the way, we'll know which ones are our favorite episodes. So this one might be up there for me. I It has always stuck in my memory since the first time I watched it. And I think I watched this one live as it aired. And it, oh, so beautiful. And it was cool as a kid to feel like when this show started airing regularly, like three days have passed in real time over the release of these three episodes. And it felt like I would be at school and I'd be like, oh, new Avatar tonight. Like, imagine a time when you didn't know what was coming next in Avatar The Last Airbender. It's impossible to picture now, but it was thrilling then. Yeah, I I actually did not watch this show live at all. And I only caught up with it freshman, sophomore year of college. So, um, didn't quite have the on the air, but I I watched it with uh, Josh Renane. It was kind of one of those, every time I would 
go back over to their house to watch it again, I would be like, all right, what's happening? What's what's going yeah. on? And didn't we watch some of it? I was gonna say, I think I think that was that was not me because I I had seen like a few random episodes that happened to be on, but I did not follow the plot at all up until up until mm. I did the whole watch. I remember watching it on the tiny TV in my brother's room because we had a bunch of the DVDs. Or no, it was on Netflix. It, was, it used to... I remember when all the Nick shows were on Netflix? Fun fact. it's was so it's on long ago. Netflix in Canada now. I was super... In where? Canada. Um, oh. I saw a Reddit post where it was like, hey guys, it's on Netflix. And I freaked out. And then I went on only oh. to see that it's Canadian Netflix has it. So if any of our listeners Dang. are in Canada... And you want to join along. Apparently, you guys have the pleasure of doing it, but alas. Huh. Anyways, <laughs> are, are we good but to... Yeah, it was... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just to wrap up, like, that was such a... Like, I would get excited for new episodes of shows as a kid, but, like, my cousin Megan and I would watch this show, and we'd always catch up when we'd see each other on what was going on. Granted, I think I dropped off somewhere along book three. Like, I still loved the show, but I got out of rhythm, I got too busy or something, and it was harder to re- to catch up on shows then. And I didn't finish the series until a few years later. So kind of similar to you, Ashley, but I definitely watched the first two books as they aired, and it was unforgettable. Yeah, it's... And I, I hope there's at least a couple of you guys following along for the very first time, because it's, it's a magical experience, your first Avatar watch, but... Mm-hmm. All right, Casey, do you got a do you got a fun segment for us? I do, and it's interesting uh, that we didn't talk too much about Momo. We even he was in the plot summary originally, and we were like, oh, he's not really a part of the plot, and I'm sort of glad for that because I have a Momo based segment here. <laughs> um, so Ang names him Momo at the very end of the episode. It's one of the last lines, and I remember it seeming like a punchline where they're like, what are you going to call him, Aang? He goes, Momo, and they all laugh. And I remember being like, what is so funny about that? Um, And I did some very minimal research, and Japanese speakers, I'm sure, are like, you're an idiot, but uh, the Japanese word for peach is Momo, and that's the fruit that Momo steals from Sokka. Oh! So, uh, I thought that was really cute. Apparently there's a boy hero in Japanese mythology called Momotaro, which means peach boy, and uh, they, yeah, they named him Momo because of the peach? The, the, okay, here's the quote I have from the wiki, so take it with a grain of salt. The creators later revealed that they had actually named him this way because it just seemed to fit. He had already drawn up a scene uh, he had already been drawn up in a scene eating a peach, only for the creators to later discover that Momo meant peach in Japanese. I gotta say, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> I don't know if I buy that either, to be honest with you. I mean... And I don't know who's lying. I don't know if the quote is real and the creators just wanted it to seem serendipitous or if they just made this up for the wiki or stretched the truth. I don't know. Like, I could have seen him eating a different fruit and then when they came up with the name thing, changing it to a peach. But regardless, Momo needs means peach. He was eating a peach. That cleared up a years-long confusion for me of why they all laugh at that name. <laughs> well, I didn't know it either, so... <laughs> Yeah. Does that mean fun. Japanese is canon in Avatar? <laughs> yeah, I thought because I thought the they other just things think were it's a silly name. Chinese characters, weren't they? It's Chinese characters, the stuff that you previewed last time. But 
Avatar is an amalgamation of a lot of Asian cultures, and I think no one seems to have a problem with it culturally because it's a fictional world and it's just pulling elements of it. It's not like it's set in China and they're like, oh, it's Japanese, but close enough. You know, I think it's it's not necessarily meant to follow any exact culture by any means. And no, it's just drawn on some different real cultures. So yeah. I thought that was cute. I don't it know. Is. I like the name Momo. I do too. Um, and and no offense uh, back to where we said it was not really part of the plot. It just them finding Momo doesn't feel as as uh, serious as a lot of the other things that are going on here. But Momo's Momo's a great little add on to their crew here. So happy to have him along. Absolutely. Well, shall we move on to our conclusion? Let's do it. All right, guys, our Twitter poll for this week is which of these first three episodes was your favorite? The Boy in the Iceberg, The Avatar Returns, or The Southern Air Temple? So episode one, two, or three. We have sort of a lot of different things going on in those three episodes. Um, I know I know Casey pretty confidently which one you, you would pick, but I'm interested to see which one sticks with you guys the most. Well, you can't go wrong with any of these. They're all masterpieces in my book of single episode animation. And Southern Air Temple will obviously get my vote, but I think there's totally a case for The Boy in the Iceberg for setting the stage or for The Avatar Returns in developing the world. And The Southern Air Temple really thrusts us into the situation now that the world is established. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, next week we're getting back to one of my favorite weirder Nicktoons, which is Rocket Power. A lot of nostalgia there. We haven't picked an episode yet, but we'll pick a fun one for sure. I don't think we'll be able to top the Capture the Flag episode, but we're sure going to try. The Capture the Flag episode is one of my favorite episodes, I think, that we've watched, period, of any show. It's so good. Uh, (laughs) But we'll we'll try to get another one of those classic Rocket Powers in there. It's been a while. Was that the last time we did the show? Uh, Rocket Power was yeah, Capture the Flag? I think so. I've, yes, it was. Yeah, so definitely looking forward to, to getting back to that one. A little bit of a, again, a tone shift. Hopefully you guys are, are getting along okay with that between our regular Nicktoons and our Avatar, but uh, <laughs> hopefully you're hanging in. <laughs> and, of course, we've got our social media, our Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts, so you can find us across all of those. And give us those comments. We want your hot takes. Uh, as as hot, takey as Avatar, Aang isn't a likable protagonist. Um, Sokka isn't funny, although that might be one of your hot takes, Ashley. <laughs> it depends on the episode. <laughs> but yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys a bit more on this. And thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.